Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hello and welcome to Better Tech. I'm Colin McCarthy, your new host with a foundation in IT and a history of guiding companies through technological evolution. I'm here to explore the dynamic world of tech with you. From spearheading the growth of a small enterprises IT department and managing global teams, I've seen firsthand how technology transforms business. At Better Tech, we'll dive into these transformative trends, connecting with thought leaders to uncover insights that propel success and innovation. Let's get started today with a guest who really knows the intersection of technology and business. Hi, Eric. Welcome to Better Tech. Hi, Colin. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We're excited to have you here. And to start off, could you share a bit about your journey into becoming a CIO and your insights into the digital transformation landscape, particularly in mid-market organizations? Sure. So my background is originally in finance. And when I entered the workforce, I joined Deloitte Consulting and I was doing SAP implementations for Fortune 500. And slowly more from being an implementation expert, financial expert on digital transformation into managing those projects, and then progressed up in my career until chief information officer. And currently, I'm a chief information officer with Net at Work, which is a a technology advisor. It's one of the largest technology advisors for the small and medium business, say, North America. And I run our fractional chief information officer group where we provide fractional part-time CIOs for our clients that are responsible for planning and executing digital transformation. Wow. You must have seen a lot of those transformations over the years. And certainly with working with SAP for a lot of those uh, large organizations, I know uh, anecdotally, that those projects can be uh, can be very difficult and provide provide a lot of challenges. Difficult, yes, challenges for sure. Um, you know, when you're working with large organizations like the enterprise level segment, their uh, their challenges and the scope of the projects are enterprise in breadth and cost and budget, etc. Yeah. So, what are the what are the distinct challenges and opportunities that mid market organizations in, encounter when they're going through these digital transformations compared to those larger organizations that we know of? Yeah. So, I think that's a great segue. But uh, let's let's start first with like defining what what digital transformation is because a lot of the fortune 500s get what it is and they understand it but you talk to mid market and they think they're too small for digital transformation and it's kind of a glamorous type sounding word there's mystique to it so i really try to break down what digital transformation even is yeah that's and, that, that's really good because like in it's 2023 and you hear of digital transformation it's like isn't everything digital this isn't you know 1993 yeah that's yeah and that's a fair point um i tell people though for mid-market organizations um i walk into a lot of them and yes the current year is 2023 but you walk into them and they're still operating it like it's 1995. And I don't mean that lightly. They truly are operating with their processes and their people and how their people are interacting and dealing with customers and dealing with systems and the systems are antiquated. So when I demystify and break down what a digital transformation is, I define it as being, it's focused on streamlining and making your processes more efficient. Mm -hmm. It's about enabling your employee 
ways to excel and giving them the best tools, the best training, the right metrics to help them get there. And then the third part is getting rid of all the paper to digit, the actual digitization of taking all those papers and everything that comes out of the printer and putting it up in the cloud and making it digital. And so really when I start talking about what the elements are of digital transformation, it's about the people, it's about the processes, it's about getting rid of paper. And a lot of people think digital transformation means you need to buy technology, buy technology, mm-hmm. but it's really not. It's really about making yourself more efficient, giving your people the best tools and capabilities to do their job and getting paper out the door. Right. Yes. Yeah. It is all about integrating that new technology that that's out there or people have moved to with those existing business processes. Are there any uh, good examples of how this is, this integration has significantly improved efficiency or in innovation in any of those mid-market organizations? Yeah. So what we typically see is a best practice and what we say, well, let me start with the worst case scenarios. You know, people often go tech first. We need to buy technology to solve our issues. This is going to, if I buy this, this is going to make it better. And, you know, technology, when it comes to digital transformations is really facilitating the digital transformation. If you, and a lot of companies though, okay, we're going to buy this technology. It's going to make it better. And it usually fails. Why? Because they didn't focus on what, what are we trying to solve? Like, what are the business outcomes? What are the issues we're trying to work out? How are we going to make our processes more efficient? Or how are we going to give our people better tools and capabilities so that this is a win? And what they'll do is they'll buy the technology and then try to swap the technology out and do the same thing that they're doing today. And it usually ends up as a disaster because who wants to buy something, put a new tech system in and have the the same process, same result. Your people are doing the same types of thing, different tech system. And so, yeah. So what we typically see, like from a process standpoint, like in terms of implementing technology and starting digital transformations is first saying, what do I need? What should my future process be? And then going out and finding the technology to support that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is very sad when you hear of business leaders just choosing technology because they always think that technology is the answer when it is an underlying business process, which is, and, and I, I was talking to some people the other day who were going through a big change and it's like, you know, we're going to have to work on your process because there isn't a technology or technology isn't going to be the answer. It's not going to fix everything if the business process and the information that's being transmitted between teams is broken. You know, we, we, we everybody always wants to look at a software program or a technology to solve those problems, but it, but it, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And, you know, it's everybody thinks it's their ticket out of their issues and it really isn't. You're just buying, you're wasting your money. You're making an investment. And, you know, it's interesting what you said is a lot of people think that, oh, I'm using antiquated technology. I got to buy something new. Well, half the time we'll get organizations coming to us saying our tech is awful, blah, blah, blah. You know, and we get the impression it's old, it's outdated. But then we go in and we start uncovering that they're actually using the latest and greatest technology systems in terms of WMS, warehouse management systems, yeah. ERPs. And we're like, well, wait, it's you're not using it correctly. And that's why you're having these issues. The good news is you don't even need to buy anything new 
we need to, because you already have the best stuff. You're just not using yeah. it right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen that in a number of scenarios where, you know, and, and that's where this sort of change part is, is so important because people yeah. will buy that piece of technology, but not fully support it, not fully implement it, not use all, all of the bells and whistles. It's like, you know, buying a Ferrari and only ever driving it to the store. You know, you've, 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 you've got to, you've got to rent a, a, a track for the day and, and really use it to all of its capabilities. Abilities and, and functions. And that's a great analogy. You know, there's no sense in, you know, buying a Ferrari if you're not going to take it out, get it up above 100 and see how yeah. it goes. Yeah. yeah. So when we when we think about change uh, and how crucial it is in digital transformation, uh, how do you approach gaining support and buy-in from various levels within those mid-size organizations, specifically considering the diverse needs and perspectives that the business will have? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because change management is one of the most underappreciated aspects and components of digital transformations. It's one of the main reasons why digital transformations fail. And so what we typically see as best practice and what we recommend is when organizations go through a formal change management program, either bring on consultants or hire somebody internally who knows how to deliver change management. There is a process and a fine methodology for how you take people through this. And what we see is starting first is with gathering feedback from stakeholders. No one likes to be told you have to go do this. This is the way now. You know, everybody wants to be heard. So first is is having a stakeholder meeting and getting insight and all the opinions of your stakeholders. And this is really key for mid-market organizations, like for manufacturers, for instance, you might, the executive team might have their perceptions. Whereas if you go and talk to the shop floor workers, they might have a very different feedback on what you actually need and what they need to do to do their jobs. And so it's, it's really starting off on getting stakeholder feedback, developing a change management plan, developing a communication plan, keep communicating throughout the process and have expectations defined. And that's really, and a lot of organizations don't do it. Even the large organizations like Fortune 500s, when you're implementing Fortune 500 enterprise scale technology in digital transformations, they typically underinvest in this. And that's one of the reasons that these initiatives fail so often, unfortunately. Right, yeah. And it's interesting how you mentioned uh, that the, the shop floor worker, you do really need to engage everybody fully from the top and the bottom because the view of how the, the company, the systems, the processes for the person that I always use the term at the coalface, you know, their view who are using things day to day and, and are coming up with those strategy or those, those challenges are completely different to the leadership above that might have, you know, they'll have their business strategy and their idea for change, but might not uh, have a full understanding of all of the the day-to-day -day ins and outs that's going to be impacted by any of these digital transformations. Completely agree. Uh, so obviously the board, the CEO and the CFO are going to want to see a measure of success and the uh, very important return on investment for their digital transformation initiatives in the mid-market settings. Are there any specific metrics or KPIs that are particularly relevant um, and the company should be looking at when they're going through this process? For me, it's less about the specific KPIs and metrics because you have very different businesses that are going through this. You have nonprofit or 
organizations, manufacturers, distributors, um, you have healthcare organizations, you have like so different. But typically what I tell people is, do you have a strategic plan? Like what is your vision that you're trying to get to for your company? Where are you trying to be in five or 10 years? And, you know, half, half mid-market organizations have something, they have a vision, we have a strategic plan, we have strategies to get to the vision. We have goals and KPIs and metrics. And that's great because I tell people, tie your digital transformation to your strategic plan. Your digital transformation should be part of the strategies to enable you to get to your future vision, whether that's a five-year, 10-year, 15, 20-year vision, whatever. But when we talk to these mid-market organizations, the other half don't have any. And, you know, usually they don't admit it to me. Like I'm talking to the business owner or to a member on the board, for example, and I'm saying, so where are you guys trying to be in five years or 10 years? Do you, where's your vision? You know, you get a wishy-washy yep. answer and you're like, all right, I'm not going to call you out on it, but let's, let's, we can probably fine tune this a little bit more. And I, I say like, where are you trying to be revenue wise? Where are you trying to be custom wise? The number of customers, the average deal size, for example, depending on the industry you're in. Are you expanding to new geographic markets? Are you opening a new distribution center overseas? Whatever. You know, what are the fine details of your future vision? And when we we really see organizations succeeding is when they start taking those metrics as defined in the strategic plan in their vision and tying them to the digital transformation initiatives. Because at the end of the day, I'm a finance person at the end of the day, and I'm always Mm -hmm. telling our people, what's the business case for you buying this technology system? What's your payback period? What's the ROI? Show me the the business pace, the business case, I'm sorry. And a lot of times they're making multi-million dollar investments sometimes, and there's no business case. And and to us, it's really crazy that you're making such a large investment of time and material and opportunity cost, and they haven't gotten through that thought process. And a lot of times we get the impression, really, and it's it's not even we're getting the impression, it's Mm -hmm. the true facet of it. They don't have the expertise to really plan for a digital transformation, develop business cases, the CFO and the finance team aren't well equipped for those types of uh, business case development procedures. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you you, you talk about the, the strategy and, and companies needing them that uh, I was talking to a company the other the other week and asked, asked them what was their utopia goal? You know, if they could snap their fingers and, and everything was how they wanted, what would that look like? Um, and then, you know, ask them what was what was achievable, what was in play at the moment and, and how could we help? Yeah, in in the interim to get them to where they want to be but it, it's right Stra- uh, companies need that strategic roadmap they need to know where they're going because often uh, in my experience through these digital transformations it's it's a stepping stone you have to go from from you know one technology to the other or they're, they're stacked on top of each other so you have to break down you know, that change process to get to where you eventually want to be. You can't, you know, it, it another brilliant analogy that I've I've heard and, and from a, a an experienced colleague who I work with and I've used many times, it's like changing the tires on a car as it's going down the road. 
you can sort of do that. But when you start to change the engine at the same time of changing the tires down the road, then it becomes unmanageable, um, you know, and those any digital transformation will, will fail. Um, talking about failures, what um, technological strategy or implementation didn't go as expected uh, and what lessons were learned from that experience? Yeah, unfortunately, we find that failures are actually more common than the, the successful ones. McKinsey did a study a couple years ago that found up to 70% of digital transformations fail. Yeah, yeah. 70%. I, yeah, I, I, it's, I'm, it doesn't surprise me. I've heard of companies doing huge rollbacks of, yes. of, a, of a technological transformation, and, and that is devastating for, for the business. It is. And, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons for it. But one of the key reasons that I see is they don't have the expertise to plan and execute this. And so, you know, 20 years ago, a chief information officer was really responsible for leading the IT department, right? But now CIOs are really responsible. They're still responsible to lead the IT department, but now they're responsible for helping set the strategy and the vision and really the innovation and streamlining processes. They've really taken the process in the people innovation areas under their, their helmet because all of touched by technology. The CFO does their thing, the CO does their thing, and the CIO is really focused on driving and growing the business through through transformation. They're the, they're the transformation executive, essentially. And so a lot of mid-market organizations, unfortunately, don't have CIOs, or they don't have a chief strategy officer or a chief transformation officer, whatever, um, whether full-time or part-time. And that's, you know, not having that expertise, not having a person in that seat, these organizations, the CFO has never done this before, for example, or they've yeah. been through two ERP implementations in their past life. And they know I don't want to do anything like that because they typically are awful experiences. And so what we've seen is like some of these leading organizations are the ones that will invest in these capabilities and in, in these expertise, whether time apart in that time to help plan and actually bring them along the journey right yes yeah that's uh that's a very good point and uh, an insight into that um the one thing i always uh, have found with these digital transformations certainly when you're changing a, a technology stack or or um, adding a technology stack improving it inside an organization is it can sometimes increase the skills gap um, how should mid-market organizations tackle the challenges of upskilling and reskilling their workforce to help keep up with these technological changes? Yeah, so what I typically recommend organizations to do is do an assessment as to where your employees are and what where they need to be. Because we often say, okay, what type of technology do we have today? What type of technology do we need to hit our vision, our strategic goals, right? But a lot of times we don't do the same for our employees. What type of employees do we have? What type of employees do we need to have five, three years, five years down the line? And so starting with an assessment on here's, here's their capabilities, here's the gap 
between where they're at versus what we need to do and putting together a training program. There are wonderful training platforms out there. Yep. And a lot of companies don't invest in those training platforms. And they're actually, they're not super expensive. And giving employees that type of, it's another perk to their job almost. And putting it, learning as part, a lot of organizations need to change their culture to a more learning focused culture. People get upset that employees only come in, they do their job, they leave, there's, you know, day in, day out. Well, providing them learning and development really can help start changing that. Right. Yeah. Um, training is such a huge part of any organization. There's a, a meme I keep seeing on uh, going around LinkedIn, I think where the CFO is saying, you know, if if we yeah. spend money on training, what, what happens if our staff leave? And the CEO is like, well, what happened? You know, what happens if, if we don't invest in the training and then they still leave? You know, you see, so yeah, I've, I've always been a big advocate of of training um carving out time in somebody's work day to make training part of their of their role part of their role and responsibilities um and if they are in in it getting a lot of those technological certifications that are out there well and it doesn't even need to be technology focused it could be like you know you have the it team that yes they absolutely need it certifications and you know there's new skills to be learned as you're implementing technology systems but also in the process uh, you have change management certifications. You have certifications related to Six Sigma, for example, right? And so putting, you know, giving people those opportunities really starts changing the dynamic of these organizations. And we talk about digital transformation, but it's really business transformation. And all sorts of skill sets are needed to deliver this. And you're, like I say, you're you don't want to operate like you do are today. You don't want to make all these investments and go through all the plane just to be doing the same thing that you're doing today in five years. And so part of that is how do we get our people better trained, get them the best tools to excel at their jobs? And that is huge. Yeah, yeah. Certainly with all of the updates that are coming to key applications, if you're looking at a collaboration platform, Office 365 or Google Workspace, there's a lot of new functionality being added to that in Excel or Google Sheets. It's good to allow your users and give them the, the training and the resources to like learn how to do VLOOKUPs, learn how to do, you know, app script or use uh, Power BI or AppSheet to automate and improve a lot of their, uh, you know, look at the way that their internal processes are being done. Um, you know, and I, th I think that that is a really good way to um, keep retention or retain your workforce by constantly, you know, developing them and and training them and and giving them a sense that they're still moving forwards in their career and they and they're learning new skills. Um, and, and even to your point about. Uh, you know, you're talking about V lookups and BI tools. When organizations go through digital transformations, there's the process efficiencies in the workflow efficiencies that are gained. So you don't have this whole team of AP clerks having to go in and manually type everything out or, okay, I got to pay this invoice. This is over $10,000. I got to run down the hallway and get, you know, this vice president's approval to send it. And so, because they implement an AP automation platform, for example, that does all that. And so they can start working on higher, like value added functions. 
And so that's, you know, a lot of people get scared about the, the change aspect, but how do we train our employees to understand the change and that they're going to be focusing, you know, you hate tracking the vice president down saying, can you sign this so I can upload it, you know, to using the scanner and, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's really, really powerful stuff is when they start working on that higher value added stuff. But first you have to train them. Right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that the AP is a perfect example where I have heard of horrible stories where, you know, the vendor would email in the, in the, 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 the PR or the invoice that had to be approved. Then AP would email it as an attachment to somebody else. They would have to download it, scan it, print it, or print it, scan it, sign it, send it back. And then it would be back, come back as another email attachment. And I'm like, why isn't that, you know, just in an automated system where everything's being done online and there's a whole, you know, approval process and you've, you've got great auditing and tracking rather than, you know, all of your auditing tracking being in somebody's poor mailbox. What happens when they go on, on vacation or, you know, heaven forbid they leave and go somewhere else. It's, but it, it, it's terrifying to think that there are, you know, at at the top, we talked about, you know, those legacy, uh, legacy processes and, and some legacy, you know, technologies that are still being used. You know, it's almost like you're, you're putting something in one of those manila envelopes, you put it on the trolley and it gets pushed around, you know, the office and goes to the mail room and then gets sent out to somebody else to, to sign. It is like we're operating in the, some places it's like they're operating in the 1950s. Well, there's plenty of places still operating like that because I've been to a few of those places earlier this year and, uh, that's just how they're operating, you know, but going back to the AP, the accounts payable function, you could almost do a masterclass on digital transformation for AP departments alone. They're, yeah. they're right for everybody. Every organization has to pay the bills. And most organizations could very much streamline the way that they pay, develop workflows, and you know not over pay on stuff or pay for stuff yeah. they didn't actually receive. And there's there's a whole masterclass to be had on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and that's how we all operate in our daily lives. Yes. We're all paying everything online. We're not receiving invoices in the mail. We're not writing checks and then sending it back where it has to be opened and then processed. If we can do that in our daily lives, every business needs to be able to do that. So um, we agree. Looking forward, uh, what emerging technologies do you believe will sufficiently impact mid-market organizations in the upcoming years? Yeah, so there's two answers to that question. The the first is we still see so many mid-market businesses not using technology of today. Um, For example, they're using ERP systems that were developed 25 20 plus years ago. Um, they're using warehouse management systems with pick tickets. Instead of walking around the warehouse, there's a barcode and you scan it with a gun, a barcode scanner. No, yeah. they're walking around with a paper ticket or something on their clipboard that says, okay, go this aisle and pick this. And you're going to pick five of these and go put it in this box. And so for the mid market, like a lot of the stuff that we see at the Fortune 500 and the enterprise level, 
still has not totally trickled down to the mid-market because mid-market organizations, like I said, they don't know what they don't know. There's more resistance to change in some industries. We typically see construction as a laggard industry in terms of their willingness to change as opposed to like a professional service industry. Um, so I think the first answer is a lot of standardized solutions that are available to mid-market organizations they're not taking advantage of. Sure. The other thing, I get, I get a lot of business owners and executives asking me about AI, AI, AI. It's yeah. huge right now. And yeah. so everybody's like, I had one guy tell me he wants to literally with his team on the phone with me, I want to replace all my people with AI if I could. And oh we're I'm God. like, okay, well, that's, that's kind of strange that you're mentioning that, but you know, we all laughed it off, but I think he was half serious, but everybody's focused on AI and solving issues with AI. And I'm like, okay, what business issues do you have that we can solve? And there's probably areas that AI can solve those for. So let's go back to our AP example, the AP department. Well, a lot of AP automation tools have artificial intelligence built into them. Mm -hmm. So you get an invoice into your email inbox, your AI, your, your tool that has an AI component reads the company that sent the invoice. They read the amount. They do a three-way check that's with your ERP system to check to see, okay, did we receive this? Was it within the same quality? And then they'll create the transaction in your ERP system for human to potentially go back and review and approve, mm -hmm. or if it's below a certain amount. But that, that whole process where it's reading the invoice, it's taking the amount, it's checking, that's, you, that's all powered by artificial intelligence. And a lot of organizations don't realize the tools they're using today have AI technology built in. Yeah, yeah. AI did not magically appear 12 months ago when yes. uh, OpenAI released chat GTP. Uh, large language modeling and machine learning AI, it's, it's not true AI. It's just the ability to, to manage uh, large amounts of data better and, and process it. it have been around for a long time. You know, OCR, object character recognition with, you know, invoice scanning and, and document scanning has been around for a long time. Um, you know, Google Workspace has had parts of that since 2017 with, with Smart Compose and Smart Complete. So that technology, it isn't, isn't new and, and a lot of it has been around for a long time, but it, and it, I don't think it's a, an employee replacement in some places it might be an employee replacement and you know th th that may happen i think it's an employee uh, improvement or a job improvement uh, it will if you can process your invoices quicker then you get paid quicker your clients get invoiced quicker your business is more productive as we as we using the ap analogy again i think it's a way of of improving business as opposed to replacing people. Um, and yeah. I, I really like using, you know, Duet AI in Google Workspace. It allows me to be a, a, a lot more productive. It's not taking away my job. It allows me, it, it helps me to be better at my job. Yeah, and it kind of what you said with how AI, you know, you have these AI chatbots right now that have come out in the past 24 months. For me personally, it's revolutionized the way I work. It's totally revolution the way it's the way I work. Um, you know, I'm writing some document. Okay, can you read through this and tell me a better way to write it? And almost, and I'm I'm a fairly decent writer. Almost always writes better than I can. 
Um, and it's, it's actually surprising how good the technology has gotten. And I also like what you mentioned uh, on improvement. A lot of people see this as we're going to replace people. And it's really not the case. And that's how a lot of people say, okay, well, we're going to implement this solution and we're going to rid of all these people. And it's like, well, actually, there still needs to be this human process here. But instead of doing what they're doing today, they're going to, they can be doing this and this and this is really what you want them to be doing. But they can't do it because they have to go down the hall and get the vice president to sign this and yeah. then go to the printer and scan it in. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, I very rarely do I see people's jobs getting cut because of what we're doing. It's actually what we're doing is enabling them to do what they really want to do, but you never be, have the time to do it because you're just chasing, yeah. chasing the daily operational endeavors of, of your day. Yeah. Yeah. It's to me, it's very similar to the, uh, initial adoption of software as a service, SaaS-based applications. You know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I would hear a lot of people want to hold on to their on-premise exchange. They didn't want to move to Office 365. They didn't want to move to Google Workspace because they thought it was going to be taking jobs away. It would take away, take away the backup administrator, the storage administrator, the, the email exchange patch management administrator. Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it was, I don't think it has, you know, moving to those SaaS based applications, Google workspace, for example, has, you know, allows companies to focus on the business and managing the business rather than managing the technology that's required to, to run the business. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a, there's a, a part of that in, uh, in AI as well. Um, and, and people was, um, uh, I guess getting, you know, becoming, um, uh, aware of it or uh, getting used to it and, and finding where it fits in their business. Um, the one thing that, uh, that I always have top of mind is, uh, is security. Um, and it's a major concern yeah. for everybody. Uh, and certainly through any digital transformation pro uh, process, what strategies would you recommend for mid-market organizations to protect their digital assets and data? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And unfortunately, we are continuing to see more of an uptick in cyber threats, cyber attacks, cyber incidents now than we were saying 10 years ago, five years ago. It's becoming more prevalent. And I, I think, first of all, organizations like executive teams, boards, business owners, for the mid-market really need to educate themselves. And it doesn't take that long, but a lot of times we'll have people say, okay, well, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing security training, so we're never going to have an incident. It's like, well, no, there's always a risk, right? I yeah. can get in my car, turn my lights on, put my seatbelt on, I could put a football helmet on, but I'm still going to maybe get, there's the risk I'm going to get in a car wreck, right? You yeah. never, you, I mean, there's always the risk. And it's the same thing with driving your car as is with cyber. You could be doing everything and spending tons of money and do everything right. And if somebody wants to really get in, they're probably going to find a way in. And so, you know, first is that educational piece is how do you manage the risk of cyber threats? 
And the second part of that that I tell organizations is make sure you have cyber insurance. There's okay. a lot of mid-market businesses that don't have cyber insurance. And when you go and start working with an insurance broker to get cyber insurance, they have a checklist of compliance items that they you need to show that, yes, I can do these 35 items or else I'm not going to be able to get insurance or it's going to be so expensive that I'm going to even question if I want to pay the insurance to begin with. And so working with an insurance broker is like huge to get that. And that's a good baseline step is get the insurance broker, get cyber insurance. And not only does that get you to a certain level of compliance, it really should, mm -hmm. they should have, they should have a checklist as to what, what they want you to get to. If there was an incident that were to occur, when you contact your insurance broker, they have relationships and assets available to come in, help you manage that and potentially negotiate that. So not only are you getting the insurance, but you're getting potentially resources to help you with that incident. Um, the other part of this is, you know, do penetration testing. That's huge. Uh, train your employees. That is huge. I go out to mm -hmm. visit our clients and they're all mid-market clients. And, you know, I'll go up and ring the doorbell and I have people just open the door for me. I walk in, no one asks me, I mean, half the time I don't even ask, who are you here to see? They might not have like a formal um, uh, administrative assistant that's manning the desk, that's checking people. And now they might not have that. I'm in your building. No one, at, you know, you just open the door, you know, and I, I, I look like this. I, I look like, okay, well, he might need to be here. And then I'm walking around, people have their laptops open, they're not frozen. There's this whole security element that people are totally unaware of when it comes to both cyber threats and even physical threats. I could walk out with a couple of laptops. You know, you never yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I've I've actually uh, seen that done uh, years ago back in in London. Uh, we're in a large office building. The company below us uh, did have that. Somebody tailgated into the business. The person had a um, one of those uh, luminous jackets on. People just thought he was a maintenance worker. Uh, they came in at lunchtime. They walked around the office. They picked up a couple of laptops and a couple of phones and just walked straight out out the door. Um, it was only when people came back and they couldn't find their stuff and they went to the the videotapes that they had for the cameras. They actually saw what had happened, but it was it was too late then. So. Yeah, You know, another thing that we're starting to see organizations needing and, you know, net at work, we're even providing this as part of what we're doing within the SMB space is we're providing fractional chief information security officers. So not only do you need like an MSP, like a lot of mid-market, they're using MSPs and they're focusing on, on, you know, like the typical MSP focus areas, but really like who's writing your compliance policies, who's building out your disaster recovery and business continuity. Who's actually testing it? Most organizations may have those. Have you ever tested them? Did yeah. you use it during COVID? And they're not. And so what we're starting to see is the, uh, the chief information security officer is starting to trickle down into the medium space. It's still not is as super prevailing as as you know the CIOs and the fractional CIOs in that space, but that is one thing that we're starting to see even with here at Net at Work is people are very interested in that. It's, but 
often as it happens they're interested in it too late right? yeah yeah and it's it's not enough just to get that cyber insurance you do need all those policies and controls internally because if you make everybody in your company a global admin because it's just easier for everybody to have access to everything that cyber insurance isn't going to pay out because you you're not going to have you know a good control sensible controls in place uh, and there have been a few stories uh, you know about insurance companies not paying out uh, or yeah. refusing to pay out because you know the the, the standard of care uh, wasn't kept um you know it's almost like going back to that uh, that car analogy if you've got car insurance but you don't maintain that car and there's something mechanically wrong with it and you drive it you know it could be that the insurance company wouldn't actually pay out exactly or you uh, wait to contact them way too late and i had an organization i came across my desk they contacted their insurance broker nine months after the event occurred it's Wow. Pretty long time. Yeah. I actually saw a, a news uh, article today. I haven't read it fully, but a hacker group had actually reported a company to the SEC because the company hadn't di hadn't disclosed that they had been breached, which. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that is, that's bad PR right there. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a, that's a whole other uh, podcast topic. Yeah, so <laughs> to, I, I'll uh, to discuss from, that. I don't. I didn't see that article, but that's uh, that's incredible. I don't even yeah. know what to say about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a. I, I mean, it's one of those those uh, times where you're scrolling through your news feed and and you see yeah. the headline. It's like I'll I'll book that mark for a for later. Um, yes. So finally, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this, uh, this chat for the last uh, 40 minutes or so, but uh, what advice would you give a mid-market organization as they're at the early stages of their digital transformation journey? Yeah, so there, there's a couple key points that I tell people. Is first, make sure that your digital transformation and, you know, first, make sure you understand what it is. You know, it's about streamlining your processes. It's about enabling your people. It's about digitizing paperwork. You know, don't make it about the technology. You're probably not going to be successful. If you focus on those other three areas with technology facilitating that, then you'll probably be way more likely to be successful. The second thing is take your strategic plan and make sure that your digital transformation and the initiatives within that align with your strategic plan. That's a huge thing. You're going in this direction with your plan. You want to make sure your digital transformation's going in that direction as well to support you. Um, and a key element of that is you know, strategic planning, having the vision, having the strategies, having an IT strategic plan, and having an IT roadmap, which is a huge tool for organizations to use to help plan it's a planning tool okay how much what types of initiatives are we going to be doing over this three-year period over this five-year period how much is it going to cost because mm -hmm. a lot of times i get organizations saying we're going to do this this and this and i'm going okay that's great you make 55 million a year in revenue you're doing $5 million worth of investments, just ballpark figures, and they their eyes get real big and they have no idea. So you know, that's another element. And Net at Work, we just put out this phenomenal white paper about how to come up with, with uh, technology roadmaps for the SMB market. We All just right. put it out this summer. So that's, a, that's focused on SMBs, which, is, which we've gotten a lot of good feedback on. The third thing is, is you know, you're going on a digital transformation journey. Make sure you have the right companions for your journey. 
and I would never re-roof my house myself. I, I you know, I'm not right. that guy. I'm not going to fly my plane when I'm flying out of my home, Cleveland, Ohio to New York. I would never fly the plane. I can't do that. And so I tell people digital transformations are hard. 70% of them typically fail. So chances are you're probably going to fail to meet your business objectives. Get the right people in the right seats. Get somebody who has A, the time and be the experience on how to plan and execute these implementations, whether that's a chief transformation officer, a chief strategy officer, a CIO, et cetera. Make sure you have the right companions for your journey. That's key. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is very difficult to go through a transformational journey and do your your own job at the same time. Um, yeah. You need to have a strategic good partner to help you through that and, and to be fully focused on it and fully committed um to help you with everything that's that's required on the way so well and there's there's two parts of it a lot of people are good with coming up with strategies oh i can come up with strategies all day when it comes to the execution and having the knowledge to do change management and business process redesign and selecting the right systems and technologies mm -hmm. for the future processes that you want whoa that's a whole different ball game and what we do find is organizations research even shows really good with coming up with strategies Execution-wise, they usually are not good at obtaining their, their objectives. They usually fail on that. So that's the other thing is you need somebody who knows both how to do the strategy and execution piece. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very wise. So, well, thank you, Eric, again for joining us for the Better Tech podcast um, and giving us all of your insight into digital transformation. Thank you, Colin. It's been a pleasure. Strategies all day. When it comes to the execution and having the knowledge to do change management and business process redesign and selecting the right systems and technologies mm -hmm. for the future processes that you want, whoa, that's a whole different ball game. And what we do find is organizations, research even shows, really good with coming up with strategies. Execution-wise, they usually are not good at obtaining their, their objectives. They usually fail on that. So that's the other thing is you need somebody who knows both how to do the strategy and execution piece. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very wise. So, well, thank you, Eric, again for joining us for the Better Tech podcast um, and giving us all of your insight into digital transformation. Thank you, Colin. It's been a pleasure. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.